Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Call Talk for Wednesday, September 1st. Our topic today is call center training. During the show, we invite you to call and ask your questions via email at calltalk at benchmarkworld.com, chat while you're on calltalk.tv, or call in to ask the host your questions and interact with the show. The number to call in is 347-857-3117. Everyone who asks a question via email or phone on the show will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at Its Best and one person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality check benchmarking report valued at $1,500. And now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Sean, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Uh, the tears fall as we bid a sad goodbye to summer. In fact, I call this our back-to-school edition of Call Talk, since we'll be talking about training. Uh, you know, kids aren't the only ones who need education, and as I go around to, to call centers, I see so many places in, in huge need of uh, more training. It's important at all levels, from initial agent training to ongoing agent training to supervisors, that first line of managers who are oftentimes overlooked, uh, to managers uh, who need training as well. It's often the secret weapon in getting poorly performing centers to, to really top drawer status. So to discuss this, I'm delighted to welcome Dane Peterson, uh, Dane is currently the lead instructor for the College of Call Center Excellence, uh, where one of the main topics discussed is human resources and training. Since leaving her role managing call centers, Lane has, Dane has worked with a number of centers on the issues of training and really all aspects of developing the team. So, Dane, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. I'm glad to be here. Okay, great. By the way, did you have a nice summer there in Minnesota? Uh, we did. We did. It's uh, unfortunately coming to an end, and uh, maybe uh, mosquito season will end with it, huh, do you think? <laughs> I think so, yeah. They get cold, too. So, uh, well, good. Good. It's great to have you back. And I should tell our listeners that uh, you can catch her leadership courses aimed at call center managers in uh, Indianapolis in September, Atlanta in October, Denver in November, and Houston in December. And she also has a workforce management course taught with Adam Sinkowski in Minnesota uh, in September, September 15th. In fact, uh, I'm kind of noting, Dane, as I look over this, that your venues always seem to follow the weather. Am I onto something here? Um, as a Minnesotan, I consider that good time and travel management. <laughs> okay, well, good. Good. Management's a good thing. Okay, well, let me ask you, what's, what's the most important thing happening with training right now, in your opinion? You know, I think there are several things. You know, one of the scary things because of the economy, of course, is our budgets are pretty tight and constrained. But in terms of more strategic issues, um, I think uh, training is becoming uh, measured. Uh, much like all of our work in a call center, um, measuring for effectiveness and outcome. Mm -hmm. um, I think another piece is uh, modularization of training, and we can talk a bit more about that if you want. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then certainly e-learning uh, for remote agents uh, as well. Yeah, okay, all great uh, great topics there. Why don't we start with the, the first one, the measuring value and outcome. Uh, what is it that management's looking for here, and what can actually be done in terms of measuring value and outcome? Well, uh, actually, a lot can be done about it. 
Um, but what they're looking for is really getting a return on the investment of uh, the time that agents are taking away from what is considered the productive work of handling customer calls. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to take a, an agent off the phone, and I'm probably going to take a dozen agents off the phone for 30 minutes, uh, you know, for uh, five days uh, consecutively, what behavior changes or what changes in outcome can I expect? Mm-hmm. And um, really having to commit to that and then for training, really having to be able to document the changes in performance and behavior. Yeah, and, and here there's the behavioral part of it and there's the metrics part of it too because as you're talking, I'm thinking about a center that we worked with recently uh, in which their handle time, seemed uh, very long compared to their industry, and their transfers were pretty high. And so a determination was made, in fact, that uh, they needed more training for the agents. And so the ROI actually was able to be computed in that case based on how uh, talk time, how average handle time reduced, and also the number of transfers reduced because the dollars were put to those specific metrics. Uh, is that the kind of thing that you're talking about and that you're seeing? Absolutely. And I think you for, missed out one of the really important components there, and that's probably first call resolution uh, mm. that we'll be looking for as well, which has, a, you know, a, as you know, a direct impact on caller satisfaction. Right. Right. Okay. And that's uh, one of my favorite metrics because you've got the d- double whammy there. You've got uh, reduction in cost and you've got the uh, additional boost to customer satisfaction when you have first call resolution. Okay, so if you have the kind of training that's aimed at those metrics, then you're actually, uh, this is a great takeaway for everyone, you're actually able to demonstrate to your managers through an improvement in those metrics that you're, uh, you're getting an ROI from the training. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's really what they're looking for. And, you know, we are having a conversation with uh, our management team. There's always the push and pull with workforce management who is accountable uh, or at least partially accountable to make service levels. So Mm. if I'm going to take agents off the phone, what's my risk to my service level or do I have the flexibility for additional staffing and then what's the cost of that and being able to show real demonstrable uh, improvements in uh, the service level, knowledge, reduction in transferred calls, et cetera. Um, and that, that's really what uh, we have to do uh, to get the agents available for training. Okay, great. So really there needs to be a, a good plan here. You have to know what it is that you're trying to do with your uh, training. It, it shouldn't be the kind of thing where, okay, uh, I've got some budget. Um, I know I need to do some training. I'd better get something out there you know, before the end of the year type of thing, but rather make it part of a whole plan that's going to, you're going to be able to ultimately show demonstrable value to your, your senior managers. That's great. Um, and, and the next one was modularization. Tell us about uh, modularization and uh, the recent developments in training. Well, I, I think um, this is a result of a couple of things. I think it's a result of, needing our agents in the center to do more and more and more, to be more Mm. knowledgeable, to deliver better service in a more timely way. And 
it's gotten where the training periods are so long. It's not unusual to go into a center and hear them talk about four- and six-week training periods. And I challenge you, if you have a four-week or six-week training, what do they remember from week two? (laughs) It's really critical to start breaking this down into more uh, bite-sized pieces. The other piece of that that has pushed this, I believe, is the whole e-learning or just-in-time learning as well. So if you take a look at your four-week training program and say, okay, how can I look at this differently? How can I put this in capsules of learning, if you will, and make it, you know, a a 30-minute and 60-minute training for just this one piece? And by the way, does that piece need to be a classroom situation, or could that be a computer-based, web-based training module? Um, Mm. looking at it in an entirely different way. The beauty of that is with the new systems that are available to deliver this training, you know, just in time, uh, you have this already modular piece of learning or the structure and methodology to build new pieces of uh, learning in that structure. And then second part, another part of that is that, uh, it's also available then for remediation training um, for those agents or supervisors who might need that learning uh, as they uh, progress through and as uh, our quality assurance processes indicate that they need that piece of training. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, I was just thinking with regard to the modularization uh, and, and thinking about the initial training, and you're right. Some of these training programs are so long and people don't remember. And uh, what we've recommended in a number of cases is that people uh, chop things up so that they have a new hire come in. Uh, they go through some initial training, probably not to exceed a couple of weeks. And then they go into a, a, uh, a nesting situation where calls aimed at what they've been trained for go into that area. And so that they're not getting everything, but, you know, they're getting the, you know, for the simple question, <laughs> push to. <laughs> and uh, so those are the questions they get. They get used to handling those questions, and then they go back into some training, and they come out again. And, and perhaps this, this happens a couple of different times before they actually are, are totally up to speed. But it, it uh, chops things down into uh, chunks that people can actually absorb because you're right. I mean, people uh, going through a six-month, a six-week course oftentimes don't remember uh, what happened the first couple of weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that um, I just came back from uh, South Carolina, a call center that uh, services cell phones, and the product changes and product launches are coming so fast and furious. Uh, that they have to modularize training and really do kind of continual training because they have to keep up with the, uh, the, the, the questions that people are being asked on the phone for all these new models. Uh, have you seen situations like that? Absolutely, and that's a perfect example of product training that can come in a small module that can be provided to uh, the team member, you know, possibly online. And if you have the sophisticated tools that many of the larger centers have today uh, with a good workforce management team, you can take a look and understand 
when am I going to have an agent availability that maybe I can deliver a 30-minute class to seven people that I can afford to take offline and still expect to make service level? And mm. so do that just in time, learning in these modular-sized pieces and instead of bringing you know, a dozen or two dozen agents off the floor into the classroom, deliver it uh, through uh, various web-based uh, tools. Right, right. No, absolutely. And I think that with that and with the modularization, part of it is being able to absorb uh, the topic, you know, the, the volume. And sometimes there's even an emotional component to that. I'm thinking right now about uh, complaint handling training. Uh, because complaint handling is, uh, it's a tough thing to do. I mean, it's, it's painful to, to do good complaint handling, yet it's important to do really well. And, uh, Dr. John Anton, in fact, has recently completed an online five module course that we'll have available shortly. And, and it respects the principle that you're talking about of fairly short bites for e-training. And, um, He's also, by the way, got a great book on agent training and coaching, which is a great resource as well. But the the idea that you know you can uh, you can be overloaded sometimes with uh, information, and sometimes certain topics just need to be diced out. You, know, you have to sort of chop them into pieces uh, so that people can chew them and digest them and really make them a part of themselves, uh, which they can't do if it's thrown at them all at once. No, and I think that we too often revert to an easy way of delivering information, and that is the email. And so there's no interactivity uh, right. to uh, understand what the learning is or the opportunity to test and see if the learning actually occurred when we uh, do that. And we're all overwhelmed with emails these days. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the uh, old saws that I have is that an email is not training. It's yeah. it's informing, but it's not training. And you're absolutely right. In a lot of centers, it takes the place of uh, of training. Um, do you have any examples of that where, uh, you know, there could be a lesson for our listeners here? Um, absolutely. In fact, uh, one center that I was in not so long ago, the supervisor actually came around agent to agent and had them sign a piece of paper saying that they had read this particular email that had a change of process in it. And uh, I happened to be sitting with the agents when that occurred, and I would say nearly half of the people I was sitting with had not even seen the email because it was only one of maybe 20 or 30 that they had gotten that day. Um, and they're supposed to try and do this between calls. And when you're busy, you just don't have the time. And you don't have the focus mm -hmm. to be earning in that way. Right, right. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's a delicate balance. I mean, nobody's saying that this is easy to fit this all in. But uh, you're right, you need to be able to understand what the training needs are, balance it with the needs of the, uh, the center, and uh, arm wrestle sometimes with the people in workforce management uh, to make sure that you're able to get the people, your people the training that they mm -hmm. need. I think uh, sometimes the, the uh, only department where things can be more uh, dicey and more uh, 
problematic, you know, between the call center management and workforce management is, is marketing because we, we all love to hate marketing. But, uh, yeah, it can, it can be tough, particularly if workforce management is not an internal department, but rather uh, an external department to the call center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another thing that I'd just like to, to chat with you about has to do with how training fits into kind of an overall uh, HR optimization program. Uh, and your thoughts on that. One of the things that um, I have found in the companies I've been in that is missing in many cases and shouldn't be is in initial training to make sure that the training includes a bit of corporate history and culture training in the initial training curriculum, and that this is best delivered by senior managers, not trainers. And so if the folks on the phone are totally disconnected from their training programs, I'd really ask them to reevaluate that because their presence in initial training can really set a tone that lasts and sticks with the uh, the agents going through. Um, because it's often forgotten, but it's something that new hires are hungry for. Uh, they want to know that they're part of a mission, part of a tradition, part of a team, part of a family that has a history and a future. Uh, I think it's a little bit of the human side of things that's oftentimes missing. And uh, while all the rest is extremely important, I'd just like to sort of uh, throw that in there as well. I, I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of research that shows uh, that senior management's involvement in the training onboarding process really uh, changes the tone. And I think you missed even one other important component that they can share with the new hires, and that is their commitment to a quality customer experience every time the customer calls in. Mm. There, Absolutely. Yeah, there's a wonderful example for all of us, and we can't all follow it, unfortunately, but uh, Zappos, uh, there's been so many stories about them, and you can go learn more about them on YouTube, but every person that comes to work at Zappos goes through the initial call center training, and if you're vice president of marketing or CFO, you still go through the call center training and actually come occasionally to sit with an agent and hear the calls. Mm-hmm. I was recently at a, a, a center out on the East Coast, and they require uh, supervisors. In fact, excuse me, it was in Chicago. They require supervisor managers from the other departments to come and spend 30 minutes in the call center sitting with an agent, and it has so changed the culture. They tell me. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's so important. There's nothing like listening to the voice of the customer. And it it not only helps the manager to understand more, it also uh, makes the call center feel like it's appreciated and understood better. And it's part of what uh, that radial organization everybody should be trying to, uh, uh, to build between the call center and other parts of the organization. And I think that's absolutely the reason that the senior management should someone from the senior management organization be there to greet and meet uh, the agents and do, as you suggest, uh, the history and tradition and focus of the organization. Makes a huge sense. It does. In fact, actually, the first organization I went into where somebody did that, it was a, uh, a, a French citizen who was part of our company. It started in 
uh, Paris and was transferred to the United States. And here we were trying to understand this fairly thick French accent where he was telling us all about our American company's history, which I thought was pretty extraordinary. But he, he understood. He understood the uh, importance of fitting yourself into the tradition uh, here. Well, the uh, I think we've got a question that's come in. Uh, so, Sean, let me hand it over to you for a second. Uh, yep, this question comes from uh, Mark. Mark asks, uh, on-demand learning is a lot cheaper and more flexible. However, I'm not sure if it is as, as effective as in-person learning. What do you mm. think? Mm. What do you think, Dan? Um, you know, I think you have to be very thoughtful about wh- how you're delivering your learning. There is absolutely some learning that must be face-to-face. There is some learning that really does probably seldom, if ever, needs to be face-to-face, and that's more about process and products. So very easy to provide that online, web-based, on-demand, etc. Uh, but there are some things that, you know, the, the, the service uh, philosophy, you don't really put that in black and white and get the same thing out of it as you do demonstrating it uh, personally or together listening to, uh, you know, wonderful call examples and discussing them. So I, I think it's just being very targeted on what you're trying to accomplish with the training and then make sure that you're using the correct uh, delivery method. Mm, yeah, and, and I think it, it's sort of like self-service. Uh, for some reason, that popped into my head. Self-service, yeah. when it's well done, is great. If it's badly done, it's terrible. And uh, online uh, learning, I think, is exactly the same. If it's uh, poorly done and uh, people fall asleep while they're you know, watching it, then then it's not good. If it's really well done and it uh, hits those points in a really uh, compelling way, then it's it, it's great. So, uh, Sean, you, you're telling me that you have another question here as well. Uh, well, j- just to add to this, uh, Lynn asks, do you find that on-site training is more effective? Um, just a okay. follow-up question. Okay. I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I think, as I said, I, I think there are particular topics that really lend themselves to, uh, you know, web-based training, uh, but there are other topics that really call for that human interaction. And one of the things that we know about adult learning is if you're going to change behaviors, you have to practice those. And you don't really get to practice those behaviors in a you know one-way web-based training. So there are many instances where you need that human interaction to role play or demonstrate uh, what you're looking for. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And uh, also is, you know, what's the depth of the need that you're talking about? The, uh, I think you're saying uh, the more distressed the call center, and the, you know, if you have a really crying need, you probably – uh, need to have that in-person uh, component, at least to, to get things turned around. So, uh, yeah. I think that brings up another point that we haven't even touched upon, and that is who should be doing the training. Mm. And I, I think that's a big issue that we struggle with in the centers. Mm-hmm. We often promote a supervisor or someone who's done a really good job at what they are doing, to be a trainer, uh, we might bring somebody in from out, 
outside of the department. And there's a lot of debate about how this should be done um, and who can really be a trader. I think you have to look for some of that natural aptitude, the person who is always ready to turn around and help their neighbor when they're in trouble, um, that really has that natural bent to want to share and, and help. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that's not always the best agent uh, that has that skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're sort of looking for a trainer profile, somebody who is able to uh, help others, likes helping others, is willing to do it in a uh, not just a one-on-one format, but uh, has the self-confidence and the communication skills to do it uh, to, you know, several people. Uh, yeah, good points, good points. Okay, great. Sean, you're telling me there are more questions. Yeah, this question came from uh, Kim. Uh, Kim asked, I'm interested in your ideas to increase learning consistency when training. Mm. Well, I think it starts with very good documentation of what the learning needs to be. Here's a perfect uh, scenario. You have three trainers, uh, their supervisors, on a part-time basis, they do training. They get up in front of the class. They might have a check sheet that they need to cover these eight processes, but they don't have an outline of how to cover and what specifically to cover in those eight processes. I've run into this in centers many times where the training is exactly, as you say, Lynn, not consistent. And so then what happens? Then what happens is they come out and they they are going through a coaching, evaluation of their calls, and they may or may not be doing them correctly. It's the same thing in smaller centers where we rely on on-the-job training, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to sit with, you know, a highly skilled agent. The problem with that is I only get to learn whatever call types come in And I only get to learn what that person already knows, whether it's correct or not. So documentation in a good curriculum is absolutely key to uh, having a good new hire training process and consistency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I was in one uh, center where they had pretty good documentation. Uh, They, however, were changing it. And uh, you can actually, in the uh, agent focus groups, feel the resentment of one group against another uh, because of the fact that uh, one had had, you know, better training than the others and more time at the training, et cetera, and and better documentation, as you said. So, uh, yeah, you need to have the good documentation, the consistency, and then, of course, update as necessary. So, uh, great question, Lynn. One thing I, I think that we're starting to see more and more is there's more testing as well in the agent training to confirm that learning has taken place. And mm. that would be another way that you could start measuring some of that consistency. Because if you t- touch, uh, train on and then test on the really important issues, the testing should all come out approximately the same. Right, right, yeah. They're back to school, right? <laughs> it's exactly, <laughs> exactly what my 13-year-old son's going through now. Okay, good. Sean, we've got another question. Uh, yes, uh, this question uh, came from a guest, didn't leave a name. What best practices are there for training remote agents 
too far to come to the contact center? Mm-hmm. Great question. We've had so much interest in, uh, in remote agent training. Um, you know, I guess I'll just speak to that a little bit. I think, again, it's putting together a really good plan and then understanding what the different methods are in the marketplace. Um, people are getting really innovative. Uh, there's a website called Second Life, which is really essentially a gaming site, I, as I understand is how it develops. But there is a company that is using that site as a training site for their remote agents who are, you know, too distant from any office to come to the office for training. And they've set up a classroom, et cetera, in that site. So I think the key for good remote training is, one, understand the material that you're trying to uh, deliver, identifying what are the media methodologies that you might use for those different pieces, um, and then really getting with your IT organization and understanding, having them help you understand what technologies are out there that might be useful. And there are different ways that you're going to do all of those. Some of those will be webinars. I mean, mm-hmm. a webcam anymore on a computer is like 40 bucks. So mm-hmm. you can really get a lot of that interactivity, uh, even though you are far distant. Right, right. Okay. And, uh, Sean, I think you have another one. Is it also on Home Agent? Nope. This one is uh, not on Home Agent. Um, uh, this one comes from Craig. Craig asks, should the trainer for product knowledge also be the one that conducts the soft skills or the customer-centric trainer, or should this be done by a QA trainer? Mm. Um, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I think as to the answer, it depends a little bit. But um, I have to say, I think you're going down a really interesting path. Uh, because the person who can really share the skills that you need to be in that very customer-centric role is not um, the product person that can uh, provide the facts, demonstrate the product possibly, and give the benefits of the various products, the ins and outs that an agent might need to know, would approach it very differently than the skills-type training. So if you have the ability to have different trainers, that's often a very good way to do it. Now, in that question, you also put in, um, I think, the quality team. I don't think that that's really a place that you want to take quality. We have so little time for them to do all of the good work that they do. I'd be looking more into the organization for somebody maybe from product management um, to provide that. Or that might be a great stepping stone uh, for, you know, a very senior agent if uh, once they, they have the curriculum documented that needs to be shared to, to give them that opportunity. But I don't think I'd bring quality into that mix. Yeah, I'd, I would agree with you, Dana, on all points there. And uh, thinking again of the center that I was just at, uh, where they have continual changes in products and therefore continual training, uh, the person who is involved with the training on the product side is a different person than the one who's involved on the skills training side. And it's a good uh, division because uh, also uh, you don't want the person to be overwhelmed and you want the person to be really good at what they do. And they're two different things. And uh, so obviously there's going to be somebody in the world who could do both really well. 
But generally speaking, you need uh, somebody who's really good on the tech side, uh, if it's that kind of a product, uh, who can, uh, you know, keep people up to date and do the training on that part of things. And it's, it's a different kind of thing than the, uh, uh, the skills training. Well, with that, I think we're, uh, we've come to the bottom of the hour. It just flew by, didn't it, Dane? It sure did. Sort of like the, uh, sort of like the summer. So, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. Gosh, I want some more of it back. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Okay. But well, how anyway. Can you You're in California. I'm in Minnesota. I know. I know. But you know, <laughs> when the kids go back to school, it just feels like it's ending. So anyway, well, listen, thank you very much. It's always a delight to be with you. And uh, with that, I'd like to uh, thank everyone else for joining us and turn things back over to Sean. I want to thank Dane uh, as well for all their great insights and uh, the audience for all their great questions. Uh, another great show. Um, our winner for today's in-depth reality check, check is Craig. Craig, send us an email at calltalkatbenchmarkportal.com, and we will get you your uh, free uh, in-depth reality check. Uh, the topic for our show on September 15th is outsourcing. Which communications should you, should you consider trusting to a partner? Uh, we'll see you at the next show, and thanks again, everyone, for their time today.